Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Super excited for today because we begin a a brand new two-part mini-series called By the Book, By the Book. And um, before I just jump in into uh, today, uh, I just, I just got to say, maybe I don't say it enough or I don't say it frequently, uh, but it is such a privilege for me uh, to be your pastor. It is such a privilege to me uh, and for me to uh, be able to preach the word and teach you the word. It's, it is not a, a right, uh, but it is a privilege given to, to me by God. And I just want to say that I'm so honored uh, to preach here week in, week out. And I can't believe you come back and listen to me because, man... You know, you got to have a lot of patience with me. I can't believe you come back and listen, but uh, I appreciate it and know that I don't take, take uh, preaching lightly, and I don't take uh, teaching the Word of God to you lightly, but it's such a privilege and honor for me to be here with you today. Uh, so like I said, we're going to start a two-part series here uh, titled By the Book, and so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now, let me kind of give you our game plan moving forward for this year. We're going to have a two-part series uh, starting today, so this week and next week. And then after that, we're going to jump back into our Mark series. Uh, We're going to jump back in. We're going to go section by section uh, and, and kind of really focus on uh, working our way through Mark. Uh, and if there's times where, uh, kind of like this, um, that God just says, hey, I think you need to pause for a second and maybe talk about a specific thing that God's placed on your heart. Like, for example, we were going through Mark, and I really felt like God uh, telling me, hey, you need to do a marriage series. I think it's needed right now. And so we did a marriage series. We kind of put Mark on pause, but uh, know that we're going to keep trucking our way through Mark. I think it's super super important. So that's the teaching plan for the year. Um, And and, uh, the reason why I say that is because today's message is really going to be a preaching on preaching. And I don't know if you've ever heard of preaching on preaching before, uh, but I think it's very, very important for us to talk about uh, preaching and teaching of the Word of God in the context of the local church. And so we started this series by the book. And so, uh, you know, we're really going to be challenged in these next two weeks to be people of the book, uh, to be people that live by the book. Uh, Do you know anyone who kind of lives by the book? Anyone in your life? Like they live by the book. They live by the rules. When we have a game night at our house, uh, my wife, she wants to do everything by the book And so she always makes sure that we're playing by the rules. She kind of takes that guide and makes sure she reads everything, including the fine print, so we know we're doing things right. Uh, But that's how it is in the Christian life. We're called to be people of the book and to live by the book. And so today, uh, in week one, we're going to see the role of preaching in the church, in the local church. Week two, tomorrow, or tomorrow, not tomorrow, next Sunday, uh, we're going to be looking at the authority of Scripture in our lives 
and the benefits of scripture in our lives as well. So preaching week one and the authority and the benefit of scripture in our lives. Let me just, I'm just, I was just trying to give you the heads up to uh, let you know where we're going. But let's jump in today uh, to, our, to our text today. Here we go. It says this, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 4. He says, Paul tells Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Let's pray. God, we come before you today asking you to lead us and to guide us in your word through the Holy Spirit. God, illuminate our hearts and our minds. Help us grasp the seriousness of this text today, the seriousness for the health of our church, the seriousness for the health of our own lives. God, lead us and guide us. May you be glorified this morning through this message. God, teach us the things that we do not know. Help us become the people that you want us to become through the power of your word, through the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So about a year before Christina and I launched Restoration Church, uh, I had a conversation with a local pastor here, a really well-known pastor. And it was, I was in a, a pastor's gathering and uh, we were just kind of talking. I never really talked to this guy before, but I've, I've always kind of wanted to get to know him. And so I remember talking to this, this guy who's uh, further along than me and, and uh, in age and in both an experience. And I told him I was planting a church and he was really excited about me. And then he goes, hey, uh, let me give you a piece of advice. Like, I didn't even ask him for advice. He just like, hey, I'm going to give you some advice because I think you need to hear this. And he said, hey, you know, I got to tell you this. There's only one piece of advice I have for you. He said, preach the word. Preach the word. That's it. That was his advice to me. Preach the word. So I left it at that. A couple months later, uh, again, before launching Restoration, we had to make a decision, uh, Christina and I, as to what the teaching and preaching was going to look like here at Restoration. And so what we decided, because we had very deep conviction about uh, what the teaching and preaching should look like, we decided this, that the preaching and teaching of Restoration Church would be considered this, consecutive expository preaching, consecutive expository preaching. Now, what does that really mean? Consecutive. It means that we're going to be going through books of the Bible 80 to 90 percent of the year. We will be in books of the Bible going section by section, 
verse by verse. There are so many benefits of doing that. Let me just name a few. One, it exposes uh, the church to a lot of different topics that are not normally covered when you're simply doing series. It forces me to preach on things that normally I wouldn't want to preach on. And so then it is helpful for everyone to really understand the word of God as a whole. So consecutive preaching, expository preaching, what does that really mean? It really means that I am going to explain to you what the scriptures mean. That the main point of the message is going to be the main point from the text. Meaning that I am not going to impose upon scripture my own opinion, my own ideas, or my own feelings. But I'm going to try to explain to you what the text meant uh, in that time to that audience with a historical, cultural context. That is expository preaching. And if you've been here for a while, you know that that's what we do. We preach the word. Any point that I ever make or any point that I ever have, you will see where I get it from and I will show you where I get it from in the text. Now again, there will be some times that, uh, that we will have some series here and there, but for the majority of the time we'll be uh, consecutive expository preaching. Now, why does this matter? Like why is the preaching on preaching, why does this matter at all? Why does this matter to the life of our church? Here's why it matters. Because the preaching we sit under matters. The preaching that we sit under matters. The preaching we sit under shapes our beliefs and our beliefs shape our actions. Okay, the preaching we take in shapes how we think and how we view the world and how we view the world will shape how we behave. An act. Now, there are two major concerns that I have right now with our culture and with the state of preaching. Two major concerns. The first is my major concern is for those who preach the word. Pastors, pastors like myself. I'm very concerned about the state of preaching. There was this organization that I follow, very credible organization. And in 2020, they essentially listened to 36 sermons, about 18 hours worth of sermons from the largest churches in America, some of the big, big churches. And there was a lot of important and positive things in those preachings. There's a lot of great things in those preachings. For example, the call to unity especially right now in our churches. The call to diversity in our churches, that regardless of where you're from or what you look like, the church of God should be diverse. Some of those positive things. There were some positives, but there were many, many negative things about the preachings in some of the largest churches in America. And I want to say this for just a second. I'm not trying to come off as critical to these churches or to these pastors. I really want you to see my heart behind this, that I am very concerned with the preaching that happens week in, week out 
in some of those mega churches. Why? Because there's a lot of people that go to those churches. And in no way do I have ill will or ill intent, but I'm extremely concerned. And you will see why in just a second once we get into the text of the day. You will see why. But here is here are the four things that really stood out in those 36 sermons that were really not a good thing. The first is this, that the gospel, the message of the gospel, is at best assumed in these messages. Most of the time, it's entirely absent. Church, the gospel, the reason why we're saved, the, what God calls us to preach, the good news of the gospel, was essentially absent in 36 out of the 36 sermons. Like, yeah, there were some aspects of the gospel here and there. There were some mentions of different parts of the gospel. But in the 36 sermons, there was never one time a clearly articulated presentation of the gospel. Not once. Second, repentance rarely comes across as something urgent and necessary. Instead, it's either optional or not worth mentioning at all. Never talk about repentance in, in those messages. Why? Because then people won't come to church. Because you scare away people. But church, repentance is a part of the gospel. To repent of your sin and to place your faith in Christ. It's part of it. It's how one is saved through repenting of sin to confronting and acknowledging the sin in our lives. Why would God want to save us if we were perfect? No, God saves us because we're sinners in need of a savior. But in many of these messages, there's no such thing as repentance. Number three, while the prosperity gospel is absent, its shadow lurks in the background. Now, the prosperity gospel essentially is this, that, hey, God wants you to be rich. God wants you to have all these material things. God, and, and if you give to God, he's going to bless you tenfold, that you should prosper in life, that you should win at life, that you should succeed at life. Tell that to Paul and John the Baptist, who was beheaded. Tell that to the 12 apostles who were all martyred for the sake of Christ. A lot of the message, as I mentioned, messages were about self-improvement, not about heart cleansing, transformation, and sanctification. And four, lastly, the use of the Bible generally fell into two categories, misuse or abuse. You see, many of these messages would use one scripture and they would kind of use that scripture and just read it, but never refer back to it. It was kind of like a just trampoline that they could use the scripture to bounce off their ideas and their opinions and their feelings. It's cool and catchy cliches and one-liners. And so the Bible was mishandled. In many of these messages, the speaker or the preacher Scriptures in many of these messages were referenced. They were never revered. 
They were alluded to, but never explained. And so church, like I mentioned earlier, that's a big concern for us. That's a big concern for the preaching that happens week in, week out in many of America's largest churches. And so not only am I concerned for those who preach the word, I'm also concerned for those who listen to the word. I'm very concerned for those who listen to the word because many, many believers, many people shop for preachers who suit their own desires and not God's desire for their lives. Let me explain that. Go to a church. Hey, I I don't like that message. That message challenged me. That message talked about repentance. That message, uh, you know, uh, is is exposing my sin. It made me feel very uncomfortable, and it's not what I want to hear right now. So I'm going to go to a different church, find another pastor who will simply tell me what I want to hear, not simply what I need to hear. And people go from church to church to church to church trying to find a preacher that will only preach feel-good messages. But feel-good messages leave the listeners uninformed, unchallenged, and in a direction set away from God. And then what happens? People get discouraged because they have the wrong perspective of what church should be like. There's a consumer mindset. Then they end up at home listening to who knows what and who knows who. So, church, again, listen to my heart. By no way am I criticizing, but I'm extremely concerned. And here here are my goals for today. Here are my goals for today. That you would understand the reasons why we take biblical preaching so serious here at Restoration Church. Number two, that you would see the seriousness of the preacher's job to preach biblical sermons. I hope that today you would see the weight that every single preacher, including myself, has to carry when they step on the stage. And number three, that you would see your relationship to sound biblical teaching. So if you're taking notes, here we go. I got two things for you today. Here's, here's, the, here's the first point. The pastor's charge is to preach the word. The pastor's charge is to preach the word. Look at, look at verse one here. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Church, I want you to see the seriousness of this charge. I really want you to grasp the weight of what Paul is telling Timothy here. Let me give you some context. Uh, Here's what's going on. Paul is in prison. He's about to get murdered. He's about to die. He's locked up. Second Timothy is his last book, his last letter. We are in the last chapter of Timothy, chapter four. So Paul, right, is about to die. It's his last days. He's writing his last book in the last, last chapter. I mean, what is he going to tell Timothy? 
Timothy, love people. Timothy, uh, care for the orphans and the poor. What does he tell him? He says, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the gospel. Preach the scriptures. I mean, he could have told him anything, but he says, preach the word. Look at the seriousness of that. I love what Stephen Lawson says about this piece. He says, last words are lasting words. I love that. Last words are lasting words. Preach the word. Look at the seriousness here, though. He says, I charge you. The word charge means to exhort with authority. It was a military word used in that day. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. Paul says, hey, preach the word. It is a command from God to you, young Timothy, my son in the faith, to preach the word. It is not an option. It is not optional for you, Timothy. It doesn't depend on whether you feel like it or not. It doesn't depend on if you want to fill the pews and make people laugh and entertain people. He says, Timothy, your job is not to fill the pews, but to fill the pulpit. Preach the word. I charge you. I command you. Look at the seriousness of it. He says, not only do I charge you, but I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ. Look at the seriousness of that. Paul is telling Timothy, I'm about to die, and I'm no longer going to be able to be here with you. I'm no longer going to be able to be in your presence or care for you and monitor your ministry, your preaching ministry. But guess what? God is, Jesus is, and I charge you in their presence, they're going to be monitoring your preaching. They're going to be monitoring if you are being faithful with the text. They're the ones that you have to be accountable to, Timothy. It's even more serious. He says, talking about Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearance in his kingdom. Paul is warning Timothy here that one day Jesus is coming back as judge. And every single preacher and every single pastor who stands up and preaches the word of God will be judged and will be judged more strictly. Let me give you a verse here. James chapter three, verse one. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Second Timothy chapter two, just a little bit earlier, he says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. I get a lot of young people all the time and say, that say, hey, I want to be a pastor. I want to preach. Let me take you to James chapter 3, verse 1. Are you sure you really want to preach, man? Because you, you're going to be judged way stricter when Jesus comes back. You're going to be judged on a different level. Look at the seriousness of that. It's a big, big deal. Now, let's look at the charge here. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. What does the word preach mean in its original language? It means to make public declarations or to proclaim out loud. 
to announce and to herald something. And, and, and this was uh, during this time, uh, Caesar, for example, in Rome would make certain decrees, right? And what he would do is he would give those decrees to the heralds. And the heralds would go from town to town, from town to town, heralding and proclaiming what Caesar had decreed. These heralds were not allowed to change the message. They were not allowed to add to the message. They were to deliver the message as is. That was, that's what preaching is, to declare something, to herald something. Now, you might ask yourself, well, what is the difference between preaching and teaching? What is the difference between preaching and teaching? Teaching is focused on helping people understand the scriptures. It is focused on explaining the scriptures, taking the scriptures and making them easy to understand. That is what teaching is. Preaching involves teaching, but it steps it up a notch. Preaching involves explaining the scriptures and teaching people the scriptures, but it also involves exhortation, encouraging people, challenging people, asking for a verdict, asking and demanding for an action. It preaches to people's will and hearts and minds to make a decision of what they will do with what they hear. Preaching and teaching are different. Preach the word, Paul tells Timothy. Preach the word. That's what he says. Paul charged Timothy to preach the word. He charged Timothy to preach the Bible. In this context, the word is the Old Testament because the New Testament wasn't formulated yet. So Paul told Timothy to preach the Old Testament, to preach the gospel, to preach the good news. That's a, that, that Timothy was supposed to take the Old Testament, explain it to people, but then show how it points to Jesus, how Jesus fulfills all of the Old Testament. He was to preach the word, to preach the gospel. You see, in a time that we live in, where many churches and church leaders are so focused on church growth and the pragmatics, the best practices, Paul gave Timothy the answer. I guess I just don't understand why we're still searching. He gave us the message, right? The gospel, the gospel doesn't change. The gospel never changes. And he gave us the method, preach the word, preach the word. The message and the methods don't change. Paul gives us those two things kind of like a North Star. And church, I am bound and I am charged to preach the word to you. Paul didn't tell Timothy to preach his opinions. Paul didn't tell Timothy to only preach his stories. While stories are good and illustrations are good, Jesus did that. But when 
your whole sermon is stories and object lessons, and then you read one verse and that's it. That's where the issue is. And so Paul didn't tell Timothy to preach his opinion or stories or to be a motivational speaker. Paul didn't tell Timothy to preach behavior modification, how to be a good person, how to succeed. Paul didn't tell Timothy to teach self-help concepts. He told him, preach the word, preach the word. And so my job as a pastor is to preach the word, is to give you the truth and nothing but the truth, so judge me, God. My job is to explain you explain to you the scriptures in their context, in their historical setting, in their cultural setting, in their immediate context. Not to simply preach my opinions and feelings. Church, if you ever go to a different church for whatever reason, and the pastor begins his sermon with, I feel, run. Run. I feel. I feel this. I feel that. Run. Scripture don't care about my feelings. It cares about me preaching the word. If you ever listen to a message where there's something new, run. There's nothing new. There's no new revelation. There's nothing new at all. My job, a preacher's job, a pastor's job is to explain the text in its context and not to allegorize the message, not to find this weird uh, symbolism in the passages. I would assume that there are probably other pastors and teachers that you listen besides me, and I hope you do because I listen to other people too. But what I see in many passages and in many preachings is not the explaining and expounding of Scripture. It's the allegorization of Scripture, where the Scriptures are taking and taking out of their context, ripped out of their context, and given a symbolic meaning, something that was never intended by the author, and so then people are like, holy cow, that was so good. Wow, I've never seen it that way. Well, there's a reason. Because the author never intended to be preached that way. Watch it. Look for it. Analyze the preachings that you hear. I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor, I would have conversations with people, people I didn't really know. And, and it was, it was, there were good conversations. There were just really good conversations. We're hitting it off. There's a lot of chemistry. And then it got to the question that I got asked all the time and I knew was going to happen. They're like, what do you do? What do you do for work? And I'm like, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And it just got so awkward. Like just super, super awkward when I would tell people that I'm a pastor. They're just like, oh, 
Okay, and so I mean, like, they just wanted nothing with me. They kind of treated me like I was a leper. Like, it was just super, super weird. Uh, so what I started to do is, hey, um, you know, I just work with students. I didn't tell them I was a pastor. Like, I just work with students. Like, I just, you know, I'm just kind of like a mentor. Because I was kind of ashamed, you know, of being a pastor. I was, like, not trying to get a weird reaction from people. But the older I got, the more conviction I had, I tell people now, I don't even tell people I'm a pastor. I tell people I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. That's what, I, that's what I do. And that's who I am. And I'm proud of it. I'm a preacher. I preach the word. That is who I am. And that is what I do. Preach the word, says Paul. Notice here in, in, in your Bibles. He says, preach the word in season and out of season. Essentially what he's saying is be ready at a moment's notice. Be ready all the time. Always have that sermon ready. You never know when you're going to be called to preach. He says part of preaching is reprove. What does reprove mean? It's to express strong disapproval with one's actions. It means to correct. So preaching is meant to correct people's actions actions. It means to uh, rebuke. It means to seriously warn. So not only is preaching useful to correct people's actions, but it's useful to warn people if they continue to live the way that they are living. There's some actions to that. What about exhort? To exhort means to encourage, to comfort, to come alongside of. So the scriptures, the preachings are challenging and correcting, but they also are encouraging. And my job is to come alongside of you through the word of God, encourage you and comfort you with all patience. With all patience, and I gotta tell you, preaching takes patience, a lot of it. It's not a popularity contest. It's a patience and perseverance contest. And so biblical preaching, church, is essential to the life of the church. Like oxygen is essential to our lungs. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. It is a serious, serious thing. Number two, here's the believer's charge. To sit under the word. To sit under the word, look at verse three here in your Bibles. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. That's already here. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And so in this passage, we see the believers charge but we see it implied here. We see the negative side of that charge. Paul tells Timothy that the day is coming, Timothy, where people will not endure sound biblical teaching. To endure here means to put up with. And so he was warning Timothy, man, there's going to come a day where people will not put up with your teaching anymore with sound teaching. 
teaching that is free from error, teaching that is correct. They will not put up with that anymore, with sound teaching. Sound teaching preaches faith, but it also preaches repentance. Sound teaching preaches heaven, but it also preaches hell. Sound teaching preaches love, but it also preaches wrath. Sound, full, biblical preaching, Paul says. People will not like. People will hate. He says uh, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. To accumulate here means to store up or to stockpile or to heap up. That's what that means. Itching ears. To have one's ears tickled. That's what Paul's trying to say. That there will come a time, Timothy, where people will find preachers based on what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. To get their ears tickled. Where people will look for excitement and entertainment over equipping, where people will look for sensational over sound, where people will look for pragmatic over the power of the scriptures. People will look for something new over the ancient scriptures. And what does Paul say? They're going to turn away. They're going to turn away, Timothy. They're not going to like your preaching. They're going to go somewhere else. But you continue to preach the word. They're going to put their fingers in their ears and simply walk away. And church, from a pastor's perspective, that takes a lot of patience, a lot of humility, a lot of trust in God that what I preach here week in, week out is not in vain that I hope and I pray that the word of God through the spirit of God impacts your heart. One question as I was studying this passage was this. What can we say about the people in this text who go from preacher to preacher, from church to church, does Paul give us any inclination? Are they believers, unbelievers? Like, what is the deal? So I did some study, and almost unanimously, most scholars and theologians believe that the people that Paul is referencing are actually unbelievers. They're unbelievers. And, he, and here's why. Again, let me show you where I'm getting this from. In verse 5, the next verse over, if you look in your Bibles, what does Paul tell Timothy? Do the work of an evangelist. Why would Paul do the work of an evangelist in his preaching in his church? The reason why, and you've heard me say it before plenty of times, is that churches across the world, across America, are filled with people who have a false sense of salvation and assurance and will go from church to church, from preacher to preacher, 
getting their ears tickled. In other words, a mark of a true believer is sitting under the sound biblical word of God. Regardless if it's tough to take in, regardless if it convicts of sin, it is a mark of a true believer. So church, if I could summarize today's message in one big idea, it's this. Don't simply listen to preaching that will tickle your ears, but preaching that will transform your heart. Don't simply listen to preaching that will tickle your ears, but preaching that will transform your heart. Preaching that will challenge you. Preaching that will convict you. Preaching that will encourage you. Preaching from the scriptures. We must not sit, or we must sit under the book, church, not stand over the book. I always talk to people about the scriptures, and they're like, yeah, there's some, there's some parts of the Bible I just don't agree with. There's some parts I do and some parts I kind of don't agree with. So then I ask them, like, well, how do you determine what you believe and you don't? Like, what are your guidelines to, to believe and what not to believe? I never, ever, ever have once gotten a solid answer. We don't stand above the book. We sit under the book. And so here's, I just practically, church, I want to give you three things as we head out. Three things. The first is this, put up with sound teaching. To endure, remember? Put up with sound teaching. Endure sound teaching. It's, I, I see sound teaching kind of like cough medicine. It's nasty, right? Like, like cough medicine, when we get sick, it's really, really nasty. And when we take it, it, it tastes gross and we want to spit it out. But we know it's good for us. That is what sound teaching is like. When we hear teaching that rebukes us and reproves us and corrects us. Ooh, we have this knee-jerk reaction like, oh, don't be poking at my heart. You know, I, I, that's, I don't want to deal with that. Nobody knows about that. That's good, although it kind of tastes bad at first. But in the long run, as you sit under biblical preaching, sound teaching, man, it's going to be so helpful for you. Put up with sound teaching. Number two, store up sound teaching. Store up sound teaching. Sound teaching, not false teaching. Solid biblical teaching. <laughs> I don't know why I get this question all the time, but people are like, hey, who do you listen to? Like, what are some of the preachers that, that you like or that you listen to? And, and I just like, I totally like love their reaction because I already know what the reaction is going to be. And so I name a bunch of people and they're like, cool, I never heard of those guys. Like, I don't, I, honestly, like, I just don't listen to a lot of like the popular modern day guys. Why I think some of them are really awesome and great. Man, store up some sound biblical teaching other than myself. I listen to other people and I encourage you to listen to other people as well. If you're curious, uh, here are some people that I listen to. My favorite preacher, favorite preacher, his name is Steve Lawson. Solid, solid guy. Solid biblical theological preaching. I listen to R.C. Sproul. He's passed away, but again, solid 
H.B. Charles Jr. Alice, I love his accent. You will love his accent for sure. Those are some of the guys that I listen to. Some of the modern day kind of bigger known guys that I think are biblically solid are like Craig Rochelle, John Piper, Matt Chandler, some of, the, some of those guys. But store up for yourself. Accumulate some solid teachers. Number three and last is to turn to sound teaching. Turn to sound teaching. I was going to say turn up to sound teaching, but... Turn up is not really all that great, so turn up to sound teaching. That just does not, that is just not go with it. If you don't know what turn up means, ask a millennial. Okay, turn to sound teaching, pursue sound teaching. Be a lifelong learner of sound teaching, biblical teaching. Don't settle for hand-me-down sermons and hand-me-down theology. If I, I actually encourage you, to go home and double check my work. Honestly, I mean that. And if there's ever something that I preach to you that is wrong, I have an open door for you to call me out on it. No questions asked. Pursue solid biblical teaching. Test everything you hear against the scriptures when you're at home. Don't just take their word for it. One of, one of the things that Christina does all the time is she's listening to something. She's like, oh, that seemed a little off. Let me go double check that. It's kind of one of the ways that she learns solid teaching is by listening to false teaching. That's her way. Not my way, but that's her way. Test everything, church. So why do we need to then put up, store up, and turn to sound teaching? The answer is this, that our world needs it. Our world needs sound biblical teaching. Our churches need sound biblical, theological, Christ-centered, expository preaching. No more of this shallowness, TED Talk, motivational talks. God didn't call me to be a motivational speaker. God didn't call me to entertain. God called me to preach the word. I want to leave you with this thing. It's really, really it has some force to it, and I was debating on whether to share it or not, but I'm going to share it anyway. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, the best preacher that ever lived besides Christ. By the way, isn't that interesting that God had only one son, and he made him a preacher? Jesus was a preacher. That's what he was. This is what Charles Spurgeon says. The time will come when instead of shepherds feeding the sheep, the church will have clowns entertaining goats. That's tough. The time will come when instead of shepherds feeding the sheep, the church will have clowns entertaining goats. Church, you are sheep, and I'm a shepherd. You're not goats. Now I'm no clown. What's going to drive our church forward? What's going to be the foundation of our church? What's going to sustain us through difficult season? What has sustained us through a pandemic is the word of God. The preaching of the word of God. And so here, we're going to revere the word, the Bible. 
And not only that, we're going to revere the word Christ. Christ Jesus is the word made flesh. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. If you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this with your family and your friends. Again, thank you so much for listening.